They're overrated. This guy's a future MVP. They need to blow it up. Pay this guy. The regular season matters. He's mediocre. Your opinion's wrong. Welcome to Mediocre Sport Opinions. Hello and welcome to our eighth episode of our podcast. Today's episode is an NBA playoff update. So the two things that we're going to hit on right away is, of course, the two game sevens between the Celtics and Raptors and also the game seven between the Clippers and Nuggets. The first series we wanted to highlight for you guys was the Celtics-Raptors series. That one went all the way to a Game 7, and we saw the Celtics beat the Raptors four games to three. We saw a final score in Game 7. Uh, the Celtics took it 92-87 to in that one. Yeah, Tatum went off that game, scoring 29 points, had 12 rebounds and 7 assists. He had a plus-minus of 5 as well. Kemba didn't do that well. He only had 14. Smart only had 14, but Jalen Brown did have 21. For the Raptors, Fred Van Fleet led all their scores with 20 points. Him and Pascal and Lowry all played over 40 minutes. Gasol barely played at all, and they just kind of struggled, really. Their plus-minuses for all their starters are, like, in the negative, and they just didn't play that well together. Yeah, looking at the series, I thought it was a really entertaining one. Uh, Both these teams are really fundamentally sound teams they don't they don't have a lot of bench depth either of them they play their starters a lot of minutes but I think we saw Tatum kind of overshine in the series and he had a really good series and should be good heading into the Eastern Conference Finals shout out to OG too for making that game winning shot game three yeah that one kind of got them back in the series if he didn't hit that I think they would have fallen down 3-0 so he kind of led them back into this series And Kyle Lowry came up really clutch in Game 6 with that turnaround jumper. He had an amazing series, except for Game 7, really. He was only 5 for 15 from the field in Game 7. So the next game that we're going to talk about was heard on Tuesday night, and that was the Nuggets and Clippers game. The Nuggets won that really handily. It was 104-89. to Yeah, the game itself was uh, kind of a shocker for me. I was going in thinking that the Clippers were going to come out and just demolish them because they wanted this this bad. But after watching their performance, you could see which team wanted it more. Jokic and Murray, they played their hearts out. I don't think you could play any better basketball than what they did themselves. Because I know Murray, he had he had 40 that game, and Jokic, I believe, had a triple-double. Yeah, he had 16 points, 22 rebounds, and 13 assists. Which is crazy, especially coming down in the... This was the semi-finals, and being down 3-1 and winning four games in a row like that is just crazy. Yeah, the Clippers were held to, like, nothing. Kawhi and Paul George only combined for 24 points, I believe. And the only person who scored over 20 points on the Clippers team was Montrez Harrell. Yeah, watching the Nuggets this whole series, they just play such a good brand of basketball. They play team ball. They move the ball around, and I think that's why they ended up winning this series. I think you saw the Clippers kind of have to rely on Kawhi and Paul George a lot while the Nuggets moved the ball around. A lot of different guys scored for them. Of course, Murray had 40, but they just play good team basketball, and I'm I'm interested in watching how they do in the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers um, shot terrible that night. 
from what I'm looking at here, it said their field goal percentage was 37%, and they shot 34 out of 90. How do you, I just, it's kind of crazy how you only make 37% of your shots. I know they're pros, but still. The Clippers were super disappointing to me in this series, and especially Game 7. I mean, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, who were kind of their third and fourth scorers, like almost disappeared during this series, and they just... They just didn't look like a team that we thought they would be. So I'm super disappointed in them, and they they need to look at themselves this offseason and figure out what went wrong. I also think that Dockers is really just outcoached by Michael Malone. Did a really good job coaching that series. Also props to Wes Unsell Jr., who I think might get a coaching job now. They were tremendous in that series, especially with the pick and roll with Jokic, and Jokic just being Jokic, being one of the best passing centers in the game. He thrived in the series, and it was a mismatch nightmare for the Clippers. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. The only other thing that just kind of floors me here, I'm looking at the Clippers' stats, that they only made nine threes that game when they shoot 35. You think after a while of missing all those threes, you shoot 35 of them and you only make nine, you think you would kind of give up on shooting threes and try to work through something else. Yeah, I think they kind of, after a while, started becoming reliant on the threes. I think the Nuggets were even giving them some, and they were continuing to miss them. They didn't take advantage of Kawhi and um, Paul George, their mismatches that they had. They didn't really work the ball in the paint much. They just kind of settled for threes, and I think that ended up costing them big. One report that did come out um, earlier today was that a lot of their players were fatigued for some reason. It's not an excuse. Also, Doc Rivers made an excuse saying how their team hasn't been, hasn't played long together, and how the Nuggets were more closer together and more of a team than the, the Clippers were. Yeah, like you said, I don't I don't think they looked that impressive the whole bubble, even the eight play-in games in their first series. They just didn't look like the same team that we saw uh, during the regular season. Or the same team that everybody thought would contend for a championship, which they definitely did not look like out there in the bubble. Yeah, incredibly disappointing season for them. Before that Game 7 of the Clippers and Nuggets, there was Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and the Heat. The Heat were able to pull it out in OT, winning 117-114. to Gordon Dragic led, all, led the Heat with scoring with 27 points. Jimmy Butler... 29. 29. Gordon, Dragic had 29. Dragic had 29 points. Jimmy Butler only had like 20, 20 points. And, but he did have a really clutch three in the end of regulation to help put him in no overtime. So for the Heat, I think we see good balanced scoring from them. There's no one that really sticks out in this game. They get some good bench contributions from Hero, Olenek, and then Duncan Robinson actually got the start for them. I'm not sure if he usually starts for them. but No, they've switched up the lineup with ever since the playoffs has really started. But he gives them a threat on the three-point line, and they just had a good balanced scoring game. And then for the Celtics, Tatum played really well, scoring 30 points. And then also Marcus Smart played really well in the second half. I mean, in the first half, especially making all those threes. Yeah, Marcus Smart did really well, putting up 26 here. Then after that, it just kind of Kemba with 19, Brown with 17. Just kind of Kemba shouldn't be outperformed by Drogic. Yeah, Kemba has to do more in the next game. Really agree with that there because – like Kemba is just a higher quality player than Gordon Dragic is, is it? Gordon Dragic, like he's like 33, 34. How old is Kemba here? Any idea? He's 29. See, there's a quite. I mean, there's a couple year age difference there, but I still feel like Kemba. Kemba's been always a more elite. Kemba's always been more of a elite point guard than Dragic ever has. Exactly. Point right there. 
And one thing that we did see the Heat switch it up is that they were actually playing a 2-3 zone. They saw what happened with the Toronto and Boston series. The 2-3 zone did affect the Celtics a little bit, but the Heat were able to make it better, and their defense really showed last night, especially on that game-winning block by Bam Adebayo. Quick shout-out to Brad Wanamaker. He played 25 minutes, 11 points, just gave him some good bench minutes. They usually don't get much bench scoring. They're mostly get scoring from their starters, so I think if he can continue to score for them, it just gives them a better chance in this one. So what do you guys think is going to happen for the rest of the series? Um, I definitely think this one's going to go seven games, and I like the Heat winning in game seven. Yeah, I would have to agree with Thomas there. I believe it is going to go to seven games. I think it's going to be back and forth every game. I think it's going to be a really competitive basketball like we saw in the first game. And if it can be like that, I just can't wait to watch the rest of it. I think the game, the series is only going to go five. I think the Heat's defense is that good. I think they're going to frustrate the hell out of the Celtics the whole series. I think Bam and Biles can have a big series defensively. And I think, yeah, they can pull it off in five. They've been dominant throughout the whole bubble, and I think they're going to continue that here. If you look at the Heat, they definitely can match up with the Celtics. I mean, they can have Butler, Crowder, both guard, um, Jalen Brown, and Tatum. So, like, there's two guys neutralized right there. And they have Iguodala off the bench, too, who can definitely guard him. Yeah, defense. If they can play good defense on uh, Tatum and Kemba, they're going to win this series. Yeah, I agree with that. If you can take at least uh, – if you take Jason Tatum out of the series, that's probably 25 to 30 points every game. If you can neutralize that out, I don't see why the Heat won't take this series. I think a big factor for the Celtics, if they want to improve and win some more games, I think it's going to fall on Jalen Brown a lot, creating his own shot. They need a secondary shot maker out there besides Tatum and Kemba, and I think he's going to be really big in this series. For the Heat, I think Tyler Hero is going to kind of be the X factor in this one. I mean, he played 40 minutes. He did come off the bench, but he gives him a good uh, good scoring option off that bench. He almost had a triple-double in this one with 12, 11, and 9, so... He's going to be an X-Factor for them, can knock down shots, and if he's playing well, they're going to be playing well too. All right, so moving on, we're just going to preview a little bit of the Lakers and Nuggets series. So the main thing, LeBron and AD have had a abundance of rest days. We're going to see how that plays in an effect, and the Nuggets have played three Game seven, two Game 7s already, so we'll see how that will affect them. I believe they're going to be able to get two days off, but we'll see how that will affect them. Speaking with all this rest for AD and LeBron, I think they're going to come off rejuvenated. They have been waiting so long. They've been able to watch the Nuggets play, get the scheme a little bit on them. And I just don't see why the Lakers shouldn't come out and win. I'm saying five or six, I would say. I think the Nuggets can take a couple, but I think it's going to be the Lakers all the way in this one. Yeah, I agree with Parker. I think five or six game series here. I mean, I did say that for the Clippers and Nuggets, but you know the Nuggets are going to come out and they're going to play really, really hard. And But the Lakers, I think, have just too much with AD and LeBron. Once you've played Kawhi and, and Paul George, and then you have to play LeBron and AD, it's just it's a lot on your body physically and mentally. So we'll see how they hold up. I think the Nuggets can take this. I think they're doing really good right now. I think they could pull it off in seven. The only thing is I don't like the matchup for Jokic, but I think he'll be able to still score on AD. Or even not even, he doesn't even have to score much. He just has to really facilitate the ball and move the ball around and get other people involved. Jamal Murray, I think, is going to have a big series because they don't know who's guarding him right now. I don't know if KCP, Danny Green, and Rondo can really hold him down with the type of playoffs he's having. And, of course, what I think is going to come down to it is the bench scoring 
especially between Kuzma and Michael Porter Jr. Whoever has the better series, I think, out of those two will help their team win the series. Yeah, I definitely think that Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to be the X factor in this one. If he can come out and show out and play like he has the last couple times, I mean, last game, game seven, he only had two points, but if he can come out and play like he has prior to that game, I think they can do pretty well in this series as well. And also just like really the Nuggets, like Paul Millsap and Jerry Grant and Gary Harris, they just got to be making their shots. So then it doesn't so it doesn't force the Lakers to double team Jokic. They want them to worry about some other players other than Jokic and Murray, which I think I'd be more worried about those guys I think than anybody else on the Lakers. Like I think the Lakers have the best two players in this series, but after that the Nuggets might have like the next best six in the series. Yeah, like you said, the Nuggets have good depth, um, and I don't think the Lakers quite have the depth they have. So it's going to be hard for the Lakers to find other guys to score. I mean, like you said, Kuzma is going to have to step up big in this series for the Lakers, and if he can do that, then they're going to be in good shape. But it's it's he's like their third star, like Aiden said before, he's treated like their third star, so he needs to play like it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I want to see who's going to be up against AD on defense for the Nuggets, who's guarding him. So I don't really think Jokic can really do that. But if I were the Lakers, I would play Davis at center and kind of force Jokic to guard him. I think that would be a mismatch nightmare. And then the Nuggets actually have a decent amount of bodies to put on LeBron. They can definitely put Gary Harris on him, even though he's a little shorter. But Jerry and Grant and Paul Millsap can definitely guard him. And Torrey Craig can still guard him off the bench as well. Yeah, keep an eye out for Rajon Rondo in this series as well. He had a really good series in his first series back against the Rockets, and he could be a guy that could end up guarding Jamal Murray more because he plays good defense, and he's he's quick enough and big enough. One thing that did come out Wednesday was the All-NBA teams. On first team, unanimous were Giannis and LeBron. Harden was also on the team. Anthony Davis also made it, and Luka also made it as well. There's some snubs that people thought got snubbed. In my opinion, I think Bradley Beal probably should have made it. He played really well this year. I felt he should have made it over Westbrook as I didn't think he really played that well. And even Simmons, to be honest. I think Bradley Beal played better than both of them. One interesting thing that also happened was that Embiid didn't make any any of the teams. Davis was able to get first team. Jokic got second team. And then Gobert beat out Embiid getting third team. It's incredibly perplexing to me that Bradley Beal was not on any of these teams. He averaged 30 points, I think like six rebounds, and he was literally the Washington Wizards team this whole year. I mean, there's no way he should have he shouldn't have been on it. Russell, take Russell Westbrook off, take Ben Simmons off, and put Bradley Beal. Like that's ridiculous, NBA. You need to fix that. Yeah, you pretty much covered it right there, Thomas. I believe the same thing. I feel like Bradley Beal had a way better season than. Uh, ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. He was just hurt for a while, and I just don't really see it. He had that one crazy year where he won the MVP, averaging triple-double, but other than that, I don't really see Russell Westbrook being a, a very elite-type player. I feel like he kind of is there with James Harden, but nothing that he used to be anymore. To be honest, I think I'd rather have Bam Adebayo on 13 than Gobert, I even think. I think Bam Adebayo is like pretty much the thing that keeps that Heat team together. I think he's a big part of that team and big part to their success, which is showing right now in the playoffs. It's worth noting that Bradley Beal was also not selected to the NBA All-Star game. The first ever player to average 30-plus points and not be an All-Star. Like, NBA, come on. What, what do you have against this guy? All he does is make shots. 
just that he's on a bad team. That's pretty much the only reason why. But still, Trey Young was able to make the starters when he's his team sucked, so I don't get why Bradley Beal wasn't able to make it either. There's a lot of coaching rumors going on right now. It's reported that D'Antoni told the team and staff and all of them that he's not returning next year. Also, Billy Donovan and the Thunder parted ways. It's going to be interesting to see where all these coaches end up. There's a lot of jobs still available and a lot of good coaching candidates out there. Yeah, like both those moves kind of shocked me. I thought those were guys that were in place to continue to have those teams have success, and I'm just surprised that there was no mutual interest between both parties to continue. Uh, one thing that really surprised me the most was the D'Antoni situation. I thought that he had a pretty thing, pretty good thing going there. I know there was rumors at one point, and it was just kind of like, all right, you're just going to do it just like how this. All right, you're just going to leave them out to dry. It wasn't really surprising to me. Like, they haven't really made it to the finals yet, and I think that's their main goal. I think Daryl Morey is going to be on the hot seat now, even though I think he's one of the best GMs in the NBA. But it's going to be interesting to see where D'Antoni ends up. There's already rumors connecting him to Indiana. And then also Chauncey Billups is getting connected to Indiana, maybe. He was connected front office jobs, but he might want to try to do coaching now. And you still have teams like the Bulls still looking for the Bulls and Pelicans still looking for coaches. Yeah, I think the D'Antonio thing may be boiled down to the fact that they made big moves in the past, like bringing in Chris Paul, bringing in Russell Westbrook, and it never really elevated the team to like a championship type level. They were always like first round, second round out. So I, th- I think that definitely played a role in it. And they're, trying to find the right guy to get them into a championship. That's the thing with D'Antoni. His whole career, he's never really been able to take a team to the finals. They perform very well in the regular season, and they can also win one or two series. But when it comes down to it, they don't get to the finals. An example would be the Suns when he coached the Suns, too. And even the Knicks when Melo was on there. Yeah, the Suns team definitely had enough talent to reach a championship or even win one, but he was just not able to do it for them. Another big news, Giannis, a couple days ago, did unfollow all of his teammates on Instagram. A lot of people were making a big deal. I'm not really that worried about it because he also already met with the Bucks owners for a three-hour meeting, and he's meeting with them again after he comes back from vacation. Yeah, I don't really think this is a whole big thing to eat your panties in a bunch. I think Giannis is going to come back to the Bucks because he, I just think he likes it there. I personally think the reason why he unfollowed everyone is because he just wanted to go have a vacation all by himself, not have to worry about having to have all these people trying to talk him to come back. I think he just wanted to go out, have some fun, and just relax for a while. Yeah, like you guys said, I don't think Giannis is going anywhere. I think he kind of sees Milwaukee as a home. He doesn't really know. It is his home. Yeah, he doesn't know anywhere else. He doesn't know L.A. or New York or any of that. He just knows Milwaukee. The fans love him. He's like the big icon there. So I don't see him going anywhere, at least for this season. The main There's going to be trade rumors of him this whole offseason, but the main thing is how are the Bucks going to improve, really? Their owner has come out and said that they're probably going to try to – they're going to be more willing to spend in luxury tax, which showed – which they didn't do last year because they traded Malcolm Brogdon for some picks. But we'll see really just how the Bucks can improve on the team that's been the best regular season team the past two years. Yeah, the Bucks just need to get over their playoff hump. They've got eliminated earlier than they should have the last two years. So just adding more guys to that team. And like you said, they're willing to go into the luxury tax now. So they're willing to take that next step forward to improve to a championship team. I think the Bucks are only missing one key player here. If they can go out and get someone, I would say maybe Bradley Beadle. 
But that might be giving up quite a bit for them, depending yeah. on what the Wizards want. But I think if they can get them, if, he, if they the Bucks can get Bradley Beal at a decent, let's say, trade or price or whatever, I think they're definitely going to be contenders, if not win it next year. It's going to be hard to trade for them. I think the only way the Bucks acquire a third superstar is really a three-team trade. The only the player that's going to be probably trade for the Bucks is Bledsoe, but he does not have that many value. He doesn't have that much value to many teams. It's only a certain amount of teams that will accept him, and he's definitely he definitely won't be enough to get Bradley Beal off the Wizards. Yeah, like you said, the Bucks don't quite have enough to get him by themselves, so they'd have to suck in some assets from a third team to help him get them. But if they did get him, that team would be scary good. Yeah, we'll only just wait and see and see what the Bucks do. This is a make-or-break year for him. Giannis is going to be one of the most highly coveted free agents of all time, maybe even better than like LeBron was back then. Would just, you say it's their last their last go around this year? I think they'll be able to improve. I think Giannis is going to be very motivated, and I think they'll be able. I just think they need to make it to a championship, and then I think he'll be able to resign. He'll say, yes, I'll come back. Yeah, making it to a championship would be... That'd be, like, the lowest that he could go to come back. He'd have to be to a championship. And that's a lot of money to turn down. Five years, $250 million, That's a lot of money to turn down. Thanks for listening to this episode, and make sure you check us out on Instagram at Mediocre Sport Opinions. And remember, your opinion doesn't matter. Yes, it does. <laughs>